0: Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul White, and it is the ninth day of October. I want to remind you again, go check out the sermon titled Encounters with God. I think it'll bless you. It's from our September grace encounter with our friends in Chapin, South Carolina. We are continuing our look at the Apostles' Creed. The first line, I believe in God the Father Almighty. We've dealt with that line, but I want to now bleed over into the second line, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, some versions, maker of heaven and earth. I want to save most of the creator or maker part of this, pot, of this examination for tomorrow's podcast. For today, I want to give another look at Almighty, as we promised yesterday, how this came to be an issue two, three, four centuries after Christ. First of all, I want to start with a scripture because I try to do that every day in this journey through the creed. I think it's fitting that we go back to the Old Testament because yesterday when we talked about Almighty, I went to the last book of the Bible from Revelation where Jesus calls himself Almighty. I want to show you the first moment in the Bible where God calls himself Almighty. It's from Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. In the Hebrew, that's El Shaddai. Well, in the earliest ancestor of the Apostles' Creed, what we told you a few days ago was that R, that Rome Creed. There was no line, maker or creator of heaven and earth, but very soon the creed picked those lines up. One of the reasons is probably because the Nicene Creed had maker of heaven and earth of all that is, seen and unseen, And as the creed spread to the Western world, uh, we were obviously missing something. And so that evolved into our reading of the creed. But the other reason, and I think this is the most important reason, is because culturally and contextually we were combating false doctrine. It's what the creed was all about. It was to set right what theology seemed to be moving into the weeds at times to get it back to where it needed to be. And so there was a challenge, a great challenge, to early Christian doctrine. Most of us have heard of Gnosticism, even if we don't quite know what it was. By the late 1st century, it began to surface, but by the 2nd century, it was pretty strong. And it actually was a problem on up till about the 4th century, so nearly 200 years of this real battle between Gnostic ideas and what we consider now classic Christianity ideas. So, quick rundown. Uh, Basically, the Gnostics claimed that if it was spiritual, it was good. If it was material, it was evil. So, the unseen was the good realm, the realm of God the Father. The material realm, not so much. Uh, There was a very influential teacher in Rome in that second century named Marcion. You can still find writings of Marcion. And Marcion was one of the great proponents of this Gnostic version of the gospel in which he truly believed that the God of the Old Testament, the Yahweh of Hebrew scripture was some form of secondary God that he created the material world and he either did it out of Uh, ignorance or he did it out of rebellion but in any case it wasn't what God really wanted and inside of the material world inside the physical world human souls were trapped and so God launched a remedy the true God sends Jesus to free mankind from the trap of humanity Um, Because of that, there's no real connection for the Marcion version of the gospel between the creation of the world and the redemption of souls. There's no connection at all between Abraham of the Old Testament and a Christian of a New Testament like Paul. Paul's writings to the Galatians would have been, to him, were completely foolish because there was no correction. I'm sorry. There was no connection between Abraham and Christians Um, It even seems that Marcion might have thought Christ was part of Jesus' name because rather than him being the anointed one sent by God from the Old Testament prophecies, he was the standalone character whom God sent to try and redeem people. Now, you might look at this and say, well, that's just silly. But I want to try to show you that some of this had some very serious consequences for the way people thought about Jesus. And the reason the creed begins to declare, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth is because almighty began to take on a bit of a different connotation and it starts to be something different because of the teachings of Marcion and because of the teachings of the Gnostics Um, because of that teaching it was a statement not only about God but it was a statement about the world Um, they started to put it in because it showed that they believed in a God who was almighty over the material and the spiritual world. And that's where the great fight set uh, really exploded in the second century. Um, this had a lot of implications because listen to what this really does. And, and I want you to see how some of these have even bled over a little bit into some things today. Um, if the Gnostic version of the gospel, or the Marcion version of the gospel was true, then the Old Testament God is not really the God of Jesus. So you can kick out the Hebrew scriptures entirely. Uh, Secondly, souls are just imprisoned in bodies. That makes everything in the natural evil. And that makes any sort of pleasure in the body evil. And that sets us up for a hyper moralism in which you must detach yourself from anything in the natural realm that's good and then it sets us up for the most damning of the doctrines as far as I'm concerned, and that is that Jesus was not actually in the flesh. He didn't really have a fleshly body because that would mix good and evil. And so his body was really just a spiritual body, and he, he looked as if he had a physical body. And out of that, the creed develops the idea against that, I should say, against that, the creed develops the idea that we need to talk about God as almighty. Let me say one more thing about this. As the literature moved west, most of the, well, scratch that, all of our New Testament writings are written in Greek by a bunch of people who knew Aramaic and Hebrew, but they wrote in Greek because it was the language of the Roman Empire. As the gospel moved west, it moved into North Africa, and when that happened, it picked up Latin. And so a lot of our early writings into the medieval times write and speak in Latin and therefore words get translated over into Latin that then start to take on a different meaning than they had. And a great example of this is Almighty from, the, from that Greek word pantokrator, which we told you pan and crisis, all-encompassing rule. But in Latin, the word almighty is omnipotens, from which we get the English word omnipotent. And well into the battle, into the fourth century, that battle between that Marcionism and Gnosticism and classic Christianity, that word began to take huge connotations because omnipotent begins to mean you can do whatever you want. There's no limit to your power. And that's not what that was meant to mean in the original creed. So because what happens is by the time we get to the Middle Ages, we've got people, philosophers asking if if God is always good, then what? why is there bad? And if it's bad and God does it, wouldn't that mean that it is always good? And then we get stupidity like can God make a rock so big not even God can move it? All that stuff comes out of that era of a misunderstanding of omnipotence. This idea that all-powerful is what God is trying to be, when in reality, almighty means his power is in relation to all things. He rules over all. Now, I want to dig into Creator on tomorrow's podcast. We'll see you then. God bless.